Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. People are stupid. Live to tape. Millennial 414. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. And I'm Laura. And we have a guest this week. Making his triumphant return is Laura's boyfriend, Mark. Hi, Mark. Hey, everyone. How, How are you? Are you? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. It's pretty early, so. Yeah. Well, I saw you getting down to our theme music it's, here it's a second a good, ago. It's a good theme. I like it. It's catchy. You know... I really appreciate that you say that because there has been some controversy on the show about that theme. Oh, Uh, Some people don't appreciate my music-making talents. Oh, you made that? Yes. I see. Don't patronize me. Elisa has questioned if it's even music. Oh. Yeah. I don't listen. I just believe in Laura. That's the difference. I know her potential. I know how much better she can do. In (laughs) fact, she... She produced something amazing, some Grammy award winning shit for After Dark. And then for the main show, just kind of called, like, phoned it in. Mm. I'm just saying, I know what she's capable of. You know what, bitch? I'm just going to one day sit you down in front of GarageBand and be like, have at it. Redesign the music. I'm going to need you to, cha- to channel your inner Daft Punk next time, please. Thanks. I appreciate you believing in me. Okay. Anytime. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, it's nice to have you back on the show, Mark. I was actually thinking of both of you because um, I was in Atlanta the other oh, day. Oh, we know. And I just, I, I just happened to be, to go by that gay bar that the three of us went to. Uh, Which ten, one? I believe it was called. Uh, good times. Good times. Ten. Oh, ten. Yes, I remember that. You know. Yeah. After yeah. nine. Before eleven. Oh my God! <laughs> it's already begun. Dad jokes. Unfortunately, it didn't work out in terms of Laura and I meeting. I think Laura was under the impression that I was going to be there next week, which maybe I gave her the wrong date. I honestly don't know. Yeah, you said April 10th. I possibly did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Because here, here's what happened. Let me, let me lay it out for everybody. So he texts us like in our group message Less than 24 hours before he's going to be here. He's like, yeah, I'm going to be in Atlanta tomorrow. We're going to the Dwarf House. And I'm like, oh, cool. Thanks for the invite, buddy. That's awesome. And then I'm like, Andrew, you said you were going to be here the 10th. And then he's like, sorry. I'm like, whatever. You know what? I'm over it. I'm over Sorry, you. not sorry. <laughs> I've been on the road for a while, and I guess I honestly just got my dates confused. I didn't I didn't purposely give you the wrong day to approach mm. you. Yeah, likely story. Another thing is we were driving in from fucking Virginia Beach, and we didn't really know what time we were going to get there. We ended up getting to the Dwarf House at like uh, 3 in the afternoon. So, yes, I did go to the original Chick-fil-A. It was very satisfying, to be honest with you, and I wanted to post it on Instagram 
that I was there because I was very excited. But at the same time, I know people would be like, oh, you know, the, the social justice warriors would be like, oh, Andrew, you know, they hate gay people. Why are you so excited to be there? So I decided what I would do is still post a picture from there. However, I took a picture with the the statue of the founder, Truett Cathy, with my balls in his face. And then I posted that on Instagram. So it was a win-win. Like, I got my Chick-fil-A pick, and I was insulting Chick-fil-A at the same time. And then my friend told me after I took the pick. So so the, the statue is sitting outside, um, and it's him sitting on a bench. So I stood up on the bench, and I put my balls in his face. Unbeknownst to me, there was a family sitting inside the Chick-fil-A with children looking outside and watching me do this. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> That's perfect. They have something there at that Chick-fil-A. So it's the original Chick-fil-A. They have something there called a hot brown. Oh, hot brown. And that sounds... Don't, have you had it before? Yes, they're so good. Yeah, it's like, it's like mashed potatoes and cheese and bacon and cum all in one. It's delicious. Um... But anyway, the the name is really bad though. Hot brown. That's like that's like what I call my dick after I do anal sex. <laughs> but they, and, and they were selling a shirt called that said hot brown on it. I'm like, I don't want to walk around with something that says hot brown on it. Nobody knows what that is. <laughs> anyway, so okay, so I have to ask you too. Have you ever heard of a place called the Claremont Lounge? Oh, yes. of course. Yes, we have. We're from Atlanta. That is a landmark. Okay. Have you been there? Yes. Mm-hmm. God, yes. Okay. So we get to our hotel, and it's a very nice hotel because my friend works at these hotels, and he gets them dirt cheap, the, the employee rate. So he te- so the concierge, who is allegedly the number one concierge <laughs> in Atlanta, writes us a to-do list, and the number one thing is the Claremont Lounge. And he says, this is a must, underlined. You have to go, you know, uh, old strip bar. So we look it up. We're like, oh, okay, this looks cool. We go in. Oh, my God. First of all, this was my first strip club ever. Oh, no. Oh, no. And I walk in and I see an old lady with old titties up on yeah. the bar dancing. I'm like, holy shit. So we hung out there for a couple hours. It was uh, quite an experience. And by the way, nobody warned us that you're allowed to smoke indoors in that fucking mm-hmm. place. Oh, my God. I'm still airing out my jacket. Yeah. My question is, did she crush a beer can between her boobs? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yes. That's a moment. And another <laughs> another one lit her titties on fire. Oh, I didn't see that one. That's a new they upgraded. They stuck like candles in her nips, and then she set them off on fire, and then I started tipping these women. Which was also a first for me. Did, the, did you catch the money on fire? No. Okay, good. <laughs> that would have been iffy. One of the strippers was missing her teeth. <laughs> God. Yeah. You know, it's the thing is, it's it's like trashy. <laughs> it's like yeah. a trashy Atlanta landmark, but it's been around for so long that it does hold a special place in our hearts. And there's a lot of controversy going on right now because there's gentrification happen happening. Um, the Claremont Lounge, for those who don't know, is on Ponce de Leon Avenue in Atlanta, um, a part of town that is gentrifying incredibly quickly. And they are trying to turn it into like a boutique hotel. And everyone's like, no, 
stay yeah. classy claremont and by stay classy i mean stay trashy yeah, yeah. so I got a good look at the renovations happening above ground. You could see right in the mm-hmm. windows. And I was like, this is weird. A trashy ass uh, strip club sits below a modern hotel. Like, what? Yeah. yeah. And I think that one part why people like it so much is that it's self-aware. Like, it knows it's trashy. So it's not like, right. you know, trying to be something it's not. It's just, yep, there it is. Yeah. That was a beer can that just got crushed. Awesome. There you go. Between some 80-year-old titties. Exactly. I have gone to many an after party at the Claremont. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, before going, I had thought of asking you about it. And then after I went, I was like, oh, there's no way Laura's been here. This is (laughs) just the worst place. There's no way that any native Atlantan hasn't been there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, anyway, I'm also I'm in New Orleans now, and uh, I was thinking of you last night, Elisa, because um, the thing I love about New Orleans on Bourbon Street is you can just hop from bar to bar, and they've all got live music going on. Oh. Discovered this band last night. I-, I fell in love with the fucking guitarist. He was this guy. So, you know, these bar bands, they're cover bands. They're usually pretty generic. Just playing the same old chords, doing the same old thing. Yeah. But this guitarist was amazing. In every song, he was adding so much to it. He wasn't just playing the regular chords. He was fucking going all out with every song. He was shitting all over the rest of the band. I could not get enough of him. <laughs> every song, he was going out of his way. And, and you know, it's always sexy to see, like, a cool rock and roll player. But I, yeah. he's playing in fucking New Orleans and Bourbon Street for a bunch of drunk losers. And he goes out of his way to put on the best show possible. And he does this every damn night of his life. And then the songs end and they get golf claps. I'm like, this guy deserves so much more. And, and, and he doesn't have to do what he's doing. But he's doing it because he clearly loves it and he's a natural Oh, my God. I'm going back tonight. I'm so excited. <laughs> you should tell him. If you didn't last night, you should you should walk up to him after the show or, I don't know, during intermission or something and just and tell him that because that's the kind of thing that makes that makes musicians melt, you know, because they it, you're right. It is so rare that they get that kind of appreciation from a drunk Bourbon Street audience. Yeah. Well, I was while I was watching him. I was saying to myself, like, why does he do this? Why does he do so much? He doesn't have to. But he does, and I just, just not even you know, rock and roll aside. I just admire somebody who really puts that much effort into anything. Um, yeah. I'll send you a video. Actually, you know, yeah. I did want to say something, say something to him, but I was a little starstruck. And then, of course, <laughs> I'm sitting up against the bar, and I'm texting my boyfriend a video of him because I'm like so in love. And what happens? The guitarist comes and stands right next to me while I'm texting a video of this guitarist to my boyfriend. <laughs> Oh my god! I quickly tried to hide my phone. It was just a little embarrassing, but anyway, I'll I'll try to uh, say that to him tonight. Anyway, that's what's you going should. on with me, Laura. I'm sorry I didn't see you, Elise. I'm sorry you weren't here last night. Yeah, I'm over it. <laughs> what else is going on though? Uh, so we just wanted to give a quick plug. The final numbers are in. About 400,000 less people signed up for the 2018 cycle of Obamacare than previous years. 
this was actually less of a drop than expected. Uh, new enrollees dropped to 27% from 31% last year. Millennial enrollment did drop marginally, but 55-year-olds uh, and up actually increased in their enrollment. So this is pretty impressive considering all of the incredibly rigorous efforts from the Trump administration to cut back funding and shorten the open enrollment period for Obamacare. So keep fighting the good fight. Why do you think so many people are signing up that the drop wasn't as bad? Because if you can't, like if your employer doesn't provide insurance uh, or you otherwise don't have access, this is the only way. A lot of people are also scared that if they don't get in on this now, next year it won't be around. It's It's such a volatile market and so much has been undermined lately that I think people are signing up because they worry that it might be their last chance. Mm-hmm. It is pretty yeah. stunning how Trump has actively campaigned against it and it's still doing well. It's just all it's been disturbing to me how the president doesn't want people to sign up for health care. Yeah, I mean, it's an incredibly popular program. <laughs> There's the numbers don't lie. Speaking of numbers, here's the numbers segment. This is an update edition. How many people have now had their data improperly obtained and used by Cambridge Analytica? The New York Times previously said it was around 50 million. Facebook has now done their own investigation. Hopefully you guys haven't seen this number yet. No. Yeah, I haven't. I'm going to guess four out of four people on Millennial for sure. Um. I mean, I'm just saying, I take a lot of those stupid Facebook quizzes, so probably. Um, I'm going to guess, like, in in the tens of millions. I mean, I'm, if, if, the original, if the original estimate was 50 million, I'm going to say it's got to be, for it to make the news at least twice that. So I'm going to say, like, 100 million. It was close to that. It's uh, 87 million. Uh-huh. The New York Times and The Guardian had previously put the figure at as many as 50 million. So now we're hearing directly from Facebook that it's around 87 million. And honestly, that number might go up. I mean, we've we these stories happen from time to time where like we hear about these data leaks and where the numbers are initially low and then more research is done and it's like, "Oh, it was actually like everybody whose data was affected." So by the way, Mark Zuckerberg said he's still not going to uh, step down. <laughs> Apparently, somebody actually asked him that. He was like, no, I'm not stepping down. But yeah, that's, it's, it's really bad. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really bad. Didn't he say something like, you should assume that your data has been used at some point in some way? I think they said it's not unreasonable to assume that basically everybody's data has been used in some way. Um, Facebook, for their part, they've been rapidly making a bunch of changes um, to try and quell fears. Um, There was some drama over on Android because they were keeping logs of your call and text history to better tie in Facebook with your phone. So they're changing that. I think it's going to be an opt-in feature now. I think it was just automatically on previously. Um, they're going to revoke access from apps that you haven't used after three months. That's smart. 
So every fucking app that you've used on Facebook, if you still give it access, it can still access it, even if you haven't used it in a few years. Wow. I mean, I will say that I am glad that the same group that delivered to me the Witch Game of Thrones Bay RU quiz can no longer access my data. I never did any of these Facebook quizzes or anything, so I think my data is safe. Hey, but how bullshit is this shit? So I, I'm 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 in New Orleans. I load up my Facebook news feed. And you know how there's these targeted ads to you. Um, I get this ad in my feed. I'm bringing up a screenshot. One sec. It says to me. The biggest obstacle to HIV research is finding people who want to share their experiences. Can you help? Qualify and complete this survey. And then the image says, HIV research in New Orleans. Why do you assume I have HIV? Oh, my God. And there's a button. There's an option that says, why are you seeing this ad? And it says, because you liked homosexuality. (gasps) Oh, shit. Because I'm gay. Holy shit. I have HIV. Thanks. That's pretty fucked, actually. I was going to say, have you ever, like, researched HIV in the past? Like, that could explain it. Because I know I researched HIV one time, and I had ads for this, like, at-home HIV testing kit on my Facebook for, like, a month. I had never seen an ad like this before, but it appears to be targeted to users in New Orleans who are gay. Hmm. Because, obviously, Facebook, like, I think I have in the settings interested in men. Yeah, it could also be related to the prevalence of HIV in the gay community in New Orleans. Probably. Perhaps it's perhaps it's really high comparative to the rest of the nation. Yeah, Um, I do know that that part of the country, just like the Gulf Coast area, does have higher rates of HIV in general. So perhaps that's why. Yeah, I'm thinking of unchecking interested in men on Facebook right now. Yeah, I'm doing that. I'm interested in no one, Facebook. I hate people. (laughs) Now they're going to show me ads about becoming interested in human beings. (laughs) Are you gay or straight? Take the test to find out. (laughs) What else is going on in the news? Well, last Thursday, Hawaii became the latest state to legalize medically assisted suicide. The new law allows doctors to fulfill requests from terminally ill but mentally competent patients to prescribe life-ending medication. Uh, This is noteworthy because there's only a few other states that have allowed medically-assisted suicide, and that's California, Colorado, Oregon, Vermont, Washington, and D.C. Um, I think this is is a good thing, but a lot of people are concerned about, you know, potential corruption with this system. So for instance, some medical practitioners have said that they're worried that oh, by allowing medically assisted suicide, if you're terminally ill, it's going to take support resources and attention away from end of life care for those who don't want to essentially kill themselves. Um, but there's a lot of uh, uh, things that Hawaii put in place to sort of make sure that this isn't abused. For instance, you have to have two different doctors confirm the diagnosis and the prognosis, meaning that you're definitely going to to pass naturally anyway in the next year. Uh, it also requires that a separate counselor 
deem you to be mentally competent and that you're not struggling with severe untreated depression. And it also mandates that you have to request the life-ending medication at least twice, at least 20 days apart, and two people have to sign off and attest that you are requesting this in good faith and that you're mentally competent. One of those people can be a family member, but the other second person has to be unrelated to you. Um, so there's a lot of steps that you have to go through to, to get this and to make this happen. But I still thought it was interesting because this is like what the sixth or seventh state that's allowed it now. And, uh, this has all sort of just happened in like the last five years. And I think it's probably, uh, I think it's probably a good thing. This is something that a lot of European countries have been doing for decades now and, I I don't know. I'm kind of glad to see it because for those who are terminally ill, truly have no other options available to them, uh, I feel like you should be allowed to go out peacefully and with dignity and on your own terms. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And the other thing to bring up too is that medically assisted suicide has been happening in this country anyway. The only difference is that it's not regulated because it's not legal. So at least this way, if it is regulated um, and there are certain steps put into place uh, in order to make this happen, you know that all of the right measures are being taken and that people are indeed being given that peaceful exit and that dignity in their final you know, days, weeks, or months. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And I, what I think Hawaii did really well is that they put a lot of barriers in place. So, you know, you having to get two doctors to sign off on it. You have to have two separate people in your personal life sign off on it. They put a lot of those barriers in place, which I think makes sense. But they didn't put a a really stringent timeline on it. So the only timeline they put on this is that uh, your request, you have to make two of them, and they have to be 20 days apart. That's it. I like the fact that there's barriers, but that they're not making someone who's terminally ill wait six months, for example, because mm-hmm. at that point, you're really just prolonging something that could be extremely painful. Yeah. Yeah. I also do appreciate the 20 day waiting period between requests because it shows that you are, you know, allowing someone some time to think about that request. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. So there are clearly ways to uh, make this legal, but also, you know, not not necessarily easy and uh, abuse riddled. So I thought, no, it it shouldn't be super easy to do. Um, But I gotta say, I and maybe this has changed because this has been almost ten years ago at this point. But uh, in my freshman year of college, I was in an ethics class, and I wrote my term paper about uh, medically assisted suicide uh, in favor of it and defending it from an ethical standpoint. And Mm. so many people disagreed with me. Like when I presented that paper, people tore me to bits and it it Why? What was their argument? So much of it seemed to be about the sanctity of life and that it is not our right to take it. 
And and that just shocked what? me. I was like, but there are so many other instances in the society where we do take life. Like war. Like, exactly. Exactly. Like war or police brutality or a- any number of other examples you can think of where it's not dignified and where it's not a peaceful experience for the person involved. But here it's like, if you have somebody who is terminally ill with something incredibly painful, like bone cancer, why, what is the the harm in allowing that person to say, I don't want to do this. Yeah. No. And also I don't understand if anyone has a right to their own life, it should be you, the individual, not society at large, not your doctors, not even your family or friends. You should have the right to your own life. It's not saying that a doctor is going to take your life for you. It's saying that you are going to choose to take your life. Mm -hmm. I don't see how that, even if you were to make a sanctity of life argument, I don't see how that infringes on it because who else, who the fuck else has the right to your own life except for yourself? Well, I feel like with that argument, there's always the underlying religious narrative that suicide is a sin, which whatever. Um, so I think there, there is a sense that some people have that whatever it is, you as the person don't have the autonomy to take your own life. And that's up to some higher being, um, which is just nonsense. What do they uh, have for uh, people who aren't, like, say they're, the, their terminal illness is affecting their state of mind? What would they do for those people? That's a good question. Right. I think, I mean, Elise, I think you mentioned that there is a mental evaluation. Like, you, yes. you have to be, yes. like, mentally sound so, in order. So if you aren't, like, say, like, in the, say, like, it's unrelated. Like, say it's not uh, linked to your, you know, say you had, like, depression or something, something like that. It was just whatever it is that is causing your terminal life ending uh, illness is also affecting your mind. Like would that come into effect and how would they offer or provide that to that person? Like, would it be up to somebody in their family or something or like, you know, like, no, yeah, that's so, a good question. That's a good question. That's a good question. At least in, at least in Hawaii, what it looks like they've done is they've said that, if you if if your mental state has been compromised in some way um odds are you're not going to be eligible for this hmm. however if your mental state has been compromised insofar as you're very depressed because you know you have a terminal illness that's a little different a counselor can sort of make a subjective determination as to whether or not that counts as being mentally fit or not. So I think in that case, if you just have very normal, understandable depression as a result of your terminal illness, um, then I think you can still go through with this if you find the right counselor to sign off on it. But if you're mentally unfit in any other way, like for example, I don't know, perhaps something, perhaps something like, I I don't know, dementia uh, comes along with the illness, mm-hmm. uh, then no, you're not going to be eligible for this. Gotcha. That makes sense because, like, I, I would imagine somebody that has a uh, illness that's making them die, and especially if it hurts them to just live, like, like physically causing them pain. You're not going to be not depressed by that. Like, it's going to suck to be right. You know, mm-hmm. 
hurting. So, yeah. All right. Move on to some other news. I thought this was interesting. A suburb north of Chicago has banned assault weapons. This is going to be enacted on June 13th, and any residents who refuse to give theirs up will be fined $1,000 a day. This came about after the Parkland shooting in Florida. Um, The mayor of Deerfield, Illinois, said she believes the time has now come to revisit a complete ban of assault weapons. This is going to be challenged in court, um, but there was an ordinance in Highland Park, Illinois, in 2013 that actually survived in court. So they think this will be able to stand up legally, this new assault weapons ban. This includes all weapons uh, like the AK-47, the AR-15, you know, the ones that have been responsible for mass shootings in recent years. So I don't really know if this is going to do much. Like, I'm not really sure what purpose this truly serves other than making a statement about assault rifles on a local level. Like, this mayor just became fed up and was like, we need to, not that we're going to, this town is going to solve the uh, mass shooting crisis happening in this country, but we're going to make a statement about it. Do do any of you see, like, a town-by-town ban possibly becoming a trend in America? I don't know because small town America loves guns. Um, I will say, I think this is valid in terms of making a statement because I think what it does show is that people care more about their money than they do anything else. It's the reason why uh, gun buyback programs are so successful and have historically been so successful um, because if you're offering people fair market value, that they can then, you know, put towards their bills or their homes, they will take it. Uh, And I think on the other end of the spectrum, like if you're saying we will take your money, if you don't turn this in, they will turn, they will begrudgingly turn them in, but they will. Yeah. I'm curious how they're going to enforce this. Like, is this a thousand dollars a day from the time that you, bought the gun or from the time they from the time that this was put in place probably from when this was put in place how would they know like if you bought a gun after this and you had it you know like it would let's say you only had a gun for three days how would that like how would you how would they know the difference of when you bought it and when that was put in place like is there going to be like a special investigation i mean presumably they would have records accessible of when you purchase that weapon. Mm. But again, uh, as we've discussed before, uh, there are so many loopholes in gun buying laws in this country that I think you are right. It would be a little bit difficult to implement, Mm -hmm. which is why I feel like this is, it feels like more of a statement than something that is actually going to be implemented. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It is cool, though, especially in a time where most of us feel helpless right now. We see no action in Congress. Um, If you live in a town like Deerfield and uh, 
if you live in a town like Deerfield, you might be feeling a little less hopeless seeing your mayor do something about it. There have been a lot of arguments circulating recently that a local approach to gun control is the best way to go uh, because it is gun violence. uh, The issues that cause gun violence are kind of localized. So what Chicago goes through is very, very different from what, you know, rural Oklahoma goes through or, and which is very different from what Los Angeles goes through. And there's been a lot of that circulating. Like I saw uh, Vox write some articles about this. Um, I think New York times had an article about this and I have, I don't know. I have, I'm sort of of two minds here. On one hand, it does make sense. And I appreciate that, that states or cities doing something is certainly better than us doing nothing. So I'm glad to see some movement and I'm glad to see individual localities taking ownership for their own problems and not sort of pawning them off on, on other entities and other legislatures. Uh, On the other hand, you know, gun violence doesn't really uh, abide by state and local boundaries, which are completely man-made and imaginary. So it's very easy for somebody to travel 50 miles and go get the gun. So in some ways, only a nationwide solution is going to have the kind of impact I think we're all looking for. But, um, you know, again, making it more difficult in increments is still better than nothing. So I guess overall, I'm happy to see Chicago tackling this. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's I mean, it's only a suburb north of Chicago. And that's that's a problem that you mentioned. Like, this is a nationwide issue that isn't going to be solved with small towns. I mean, yes, Chicago has a major gun problem, but it's not because Chicago or Illinois' gun laws are lax. It's because the states states surrounding Illinois are lax. Take Indiana, for example. Exactly. Chicago practically sits right on the border of Indiana. Um, So it's just very easy to get to move the guns around. But, well, we'll see. Bernie 2020, am I right? Biden. Biden 2020? uh, Yes, that feels better. I'm so (laughs) fucking sick of Bernie Sanders. I could scream. Speaking of politicians, is the Hillary Stans-y... Up, up in your home that I bought you for Christmas? Oh, yes. It's in my okay. office. Yep, it scares the fuck out of me. <laughs> I'll, I'll just walk in and I forget it's there and not, there'll just be somebody standing in the corner. I'm like, oh, oh Hillary, it's you. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, usually what he says is, God damn it, Hillary. <laughs> I would sing, this is my fight song to it every time I walk to, past it. Yeah, I cry every time I walk past it. Aw. <laughs> it sounds yeah. like it's gotten good use did have you put her in the bedroom with you for just one night i think that would be too jarring because sometimes i wake up in the night and i think if i woke up in the night and saw a figure (laughs) in my room i'd freak out (laughs) (laughs) hello laura (laughs) that's my roseanne impression anyway um little other news today Many YouTubers have been up in arms about recent demonetization of their channels recently if YouTube does not deem their content appropriate. YouTube started demonetizing because advertisers became weary about sponsoring controversial content. 
And YouTubers really rely on this ad revenue. So they would make videos not knowing whether or not they were going to make money from them. Um, And now a woman has shot up YouTube headquarters in retaliation and then she killed herself. Um, People believe that the reason she went into YouTube HQ with a gun was because uh, demonetization was seriously hurting her revenue. She had actually spoken publicly about it. Um, so this was a scary story. Um, she, you know, she just kind of walked into YouTube headquarters in California, just started shooting it up with a handgun. Uh, luckily, uh, no one died other than her, but several people were injured. Um, and now it's bringing up tough, tough questions about what YouTube is supposed to do. Um, they've, they've been battling creators for a while. I mean, not battling, they've been, uh, in a tough situation with creators. And I'm not really sure what the answer is here. Um, should YouTube decide what is being monetized on their platform? I mean, I think it's up to an advertiser to decide what content they want to be, what content they are and aren't comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure where YouTube fits into that equation. I feel like YouTube should just be the facilitator in terms of matching people with appropriate sponsors. I think the problem is that there are so many videos going up on YouTube that YouTube and advertisers can't sit there and watch each one and be like, okay, this one's appropriate, this one's not. So they're kind of painting channels um, with these broad brushes. And I think they have systems in place that kind of detect controversial content automatically as well. I mean, it just seems like there's, it seems like there's a way that you could get around this. Like for instance, allow people to tag their videos with certain things like tag it as political, liberal, political, conservative, or explicit content. And then based on those tags, assign ads accordingly. Mm -hmm. I feel like this shouldn't be hard. Yeah, I, I think I think back to Andrew's point is just how many videos are on there, and people would totally abuse that. So, like, if you give leave it up to them to tag their video, they could just tag their video whatever they want to get certain viewerships. Like, I know apparently when this whole thing first started, there were some streamers or like game reviewers that couldn't say certain weapons. Like, if they're reviewing Call of Duty or something, they couldn't say like you know, assault rifle or gun or whatever, even though they're in the game. So they'd have to, they'd have to like paint around, like, you know, kind of dance around and be like this thing that you use in this game, you can get by this way. And, you know, you have to beat this level to do this. I don't know if it's still like that. I think that was like a early knee jerk reaction. YouTube have a, I think I'm pretty sure it's gotten better, mm-hmm. but I don't know where they stand now. Like, I don't know how they go about finding out which should not be monetized and what should like it's kind of it's kind of weird especially since there's so many so much content there yeah i don't know i mean to me i feel like a system there are going to be people who find a way to abuse a system always no matter how mm. many safeguards you put in place but to me i don't think it there's that that is an excuse to apply like this blanket generalization where wherein people who had previously made income from these YouTube videos are all of a sudden 
losing half or even more than half of what they were making before. Mm-hmm. Written on her website, my revenue for 300,000 views is 10 cents? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. There's no equal growth opportunity on YouTube or any other video sharing site. Your channel will grow if they want to. If they want it to, I think she meant. Um, and the New York Times notes here that her complaints echoed what a wide range of YouTubers have increasingly been protesting over the past year. Because there was a whole big thing last year. Uh, maybe, Mark, you remember this, where they just they they really started censoring a lot of content on YouTube. And they had actually gone too far. Um, it was so bad that like some completely friendly LGBT channels were suddenly being marked as adult content. Because it's yeah. LGBT. And uh, YouTube did walk that back, but that's a, but the problem was they have these algorithms that are doing it, and the yeah. algorithms aren't smart enough. Yeah, I think that's what uh, that was the whole uh, thing I was talking about earlier. That, I'm pretty sure that was last year where they had that initial like anything, any kind of buzzword that uh, they marked it as inappropriate or should be demonetized. They just if your if your video said it at all it would just instantly put you in that category. And a lot of people were very mad about it because, you know, game streamers, especially if you're streaming like a horror game, there's plenty of non, you know, family friendly stuff in those. So mm-hmm. there it was, and, and like, I'm pretty sure it's gotten better because there are streamers now that stream horror games and they get money for it. So I don't know. I don't know how they, I don't know how they went about walking that back, but there was that and the whole, um, the controversy with the I forgot his name, but the guy in the Suicide Woods in Japan yes, yeah. that caused a big thing too. Because they, I know they, and that kind of called out YouTube's algorithm because that video and everything about that was getting so many views that even if they demonetized it to a bit, he was still getting money off of it. So mm-hmm. like, there was a big thing where people were like, if you want to game the system in YouTube just make controversial videos because then your video will be controversial and then other people will cover your video, which will make people click on the original video. And they were like, this isn't fair to people that aren't making controversial videos that are actually following the YouTube guidelines. So that was a whole big thing too. Yeah. I mean, so my final point is YouTubers are going to seriously have to look at options like Patreon because with that you're avoiding the advertisers. We love Patreon because we get to rely on the listeners instead of the advertisers or corporate overlords like YouTube. The Patreon income, it's steady, it's reliable income every month, and listeners like what we're giving them, so they support us. And this gives us complete creative freedom. What YouTubers really need to do right now is just figure out how their viewers can directly support them. Don't rely on advertisers because you can't trust YouTube or advertisers. You can only trust your fan base. Yeah, Yeah. I think a lot of... streamers are doing that now like a lot of streamers since this whole thing happened are opening up patreons for their channels well speaking of advertisers we do have an advertiser this week they are ship station if you have an online business you need a way to easily organize and ship goods to your customers we here at millennial know this we've shipped shirts and other goods out to y'all before and it can be a pain getting the addresses organized printing the labels shipping the packages tracking them staying staying in touch with your customers. So how do you solve this? How do you streamline your workflow? You can use ShipStation. It's the fastest and easiest way to manage and ship your orders all from one place. 
it's so important to streamline how you get shipping done because when you have a bunch of orders to deal with, you got to make sure you're not getting in over your head. And ShipStation turns you into a shipping expert. Whether you're using your own website, Shopify, Squarespace, Etsy, BigCommerce, WooCommerce, or over 75 other popular selling channels, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even from your cell phone. And you can use ShipStation to create shipping labels for all the top carriers, including UPS, FedEx, and USPS. Right now, you can try ShipStation for free for 30 days, plus get a special bonus when you use our code MILL. So don't wait. Go to ShipStation.com. Before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in M-I-L-L. That's ShipStation.com. Enter code M-I-L-L. ShipStation. Make ship happen. All right, so since Laura and Mark are here, we wanted to do something special with them. We're going to play the newlywed game. When you said do something special, I thought you were talking about foursome. Oh, man. I'm a little disappointed now. No. On air sex? Sex toys. (laughs) Yeah. Sex toys. (laughs) Well, uh, this is going to be fun. We came, we put together some questions for these two, and um, we got their answers in advance. Laura and Mark, how long have you two been together? Just over a year. Mm-hmm. Oh, you sound thrilled. Well, I, I was, well, I was like, it looked like he was about to say something and I didn't want to cut him off. So, but then I did anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so we asked Laura and Mark to answer a series of questions and they sent their responses to me. And now each contestant is going to try and guess what their partner answered. Are you too ready? Are you are you feeling confident? Do you think you'll be able to guess correctly? Not really. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Cuz we were we were we were like nitpicking the questions pretty hard. You two have been together a year, but frankly, I mean it just feels so much longer. Your romance is one of the strongest I've ever seen. Oh my yeah. goodness. I mean, what is time really, you know? Oh my god. This big journey that we call love. He's making fun of a friend of his who got married after three weeks. Oh. And when they argued about it, the response was, what is time? <laughs> <laughs> how did they How did they meet? Um, Tinder. Tinder. And then they just met in person and it was magic. And why did they decide to get married in three weeks after three weeks? I do not know. That's what I was trying to figure out. When I was uh, trying to appeal to their better reason. But, I mean, hey, they're together and happy, I guess. So, you know, more power to them. how long have they been together now? Uh, I think a little under a year. Okay. It's it's been around, like, I think eight months, nine months. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were in the early stages of our relationship when they met. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, they've been together a while, so I guess it's working. Yeah. Anyway, back to you two, our favorite couple. (laughs) Uh, Frankly, one of the best couples in podcasting, if I do say so myself. Oh, Um, I'm blushing. So the first question we asked was a classic newlywed question. What is Mark's idea of a perfect date night? Laura, what do you think Mark answered? I think... I mean, because I, I, I'm thinking that he probably answered similarly to how I answered. Okay. 
Um, so I'm going to say, of course, I'm probably giving away my answer here. So I won't do that again. Um, <laughs> I'll say it involves, don't look at me like that. Um, I'll say that it probably involves some kind of scary movie. Um, most likely uh, a YouTube uh, Let's Play video of like a horror game. And then some kind of Asian food. Like what? Mm, probably Chinese. Okay. Well, you got it right and wrong. Uh, <laughs> Mark, what 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 did you say? Um, I said going to see a horror movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, getting sushi. Mm-hmm. Getting sushi, getting okay. Sushi. And then um, going to play a game together afterwards. Okay. Yeah, that does sound pretty great. Yeah. Now, uh, Mark, what do you think Laura said to the same question? Um, I'll say the same thing in the beginning. So going to see like a movie, like a horror movie. I'd, I'll say going somewhere different to eat, like trying a new place to eat, maybe like Mediterranean food or something like that. Or like, you know, eggplant parmesan, something like that. And that then, is my favorite food. Yeah. You did you did call that. Okay. <laughs> well, and, you are half right. What did you say, Laura? I said uh, Chinese takeout and watching a scary movie. There we go. That's correct. You two love scary movies, don't you? Yeah, yes, we, we do. do. Yeah, we like do. And to we cuddle love, up under the blanket. And we love eating. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Especially eating when I'm watching a scary movie. I, I eat when I'm scared, so. Uh, all right. So next question. Uh Mark, we'll start with you. What do you think Laura answered to the question, what is your most annoying habit? And by your, I mean Laura. So what, what is Laura's most annoying habit? He's going to think the answer answered? to this. It's definitely leaving half-finished glasses of drinks places. That is absolutely right. <laughs> the amount of Explain that. Of- What's going on there? So we'll go, like, you know, relax in the living room and, you know, be watching a scary movie or whatever. And she'll get either some water or like I'll make her a drink and she'll drink like half of it and then go about her business and get another drink when she has half of a drink sitting on the table and it drives me crazy. Like we'll go, we'll go to bed and she'll get a glass of water. And then like, if I come over later on, on in the week, there'll be like two or three glasses on the bedside table, just half finished. I'm with you, Mark, there. I, I use the same glass. I, I search for it, yeah. too. Yeah, I have, mm-hmm. like, I have a um a big, giant uh, cup from Willie's. I don't know if you have Willie's where you are, like the Mexican chain. Probably but, not. Probably not, okay. No. But it's, like, a, it's like a big, uh, almost like a gas station cup, like a big plastic gas station cup. And I just use that whenever I'm getting water or something. So I'll, like, go wash out that cup real quick, clean it off, and then use it for whatever else I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we can't all be perfect. Okay. Laura, what do you think Mark answered to what is his most annoying habit? The dad jokes. Definitely the dad jokes. Yeah, oh that's, my God. That's, that's pretty right. He said telling very puny jokes, punny jokes. Punny, punny jokes. Punny. Yeah. He, even, start, funny, he even started out this episode doing that. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> all right, next question. What is each of yours favorite curse word? Laura, what do you think Mark answered? What is Mark's favorite curse word? Probably probably fuck, right? 
Like, I mean, I, I feel like that's the most. I, I don't know if he was uh, serious or not with this. He wrote the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he does say that a lot. Most mostly like the fuck am I looking at right now? Yeah. Yeah. But then you say it with more, like, you're more frustrated when you say it. That's true. You don't say Mm -hmm. it, you're not like, the fuck am I looking at right now? You get... It's usually when I'm looking at a half-finished glass of water. Yeah, usually. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking about. And Mark, what is Laura's favorite curse word? Um... I'd probably say fuck, too. You're not going to get it. Oh, I'm not going to get it? Mm-mm. Oh, damn. Well, But I think it's going to be a pleasant surprise. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll still go with fuck, because I don't know. Okay. She does say that a lot, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> close, close, but no cigar. It was fucking circus clown. <laughs> <laughs> that is a pretty great one. I mean, I should get half credit. I got half of it right. All right, sure. Half okay. point. All right. Uh, next question. How would you spend, Laura, how would Mark spend the last day of his life? He, so Mark is a game designer. Um, So cool. It is really cool. And I feel like his goal as a game designer is to try and find ways to cheat the system. So I think he would try to circumvent whatever it was that was going to cause his imminent demise. Whoa, that was well fucking reasoned. And you're right. He wrote trying to find a way not to die. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus, that's impressive. And then, (laughs) Mark, what do you think Laura said? How would she spend the last day of her life? Um, I'd say probably with Canela her puppy um or with a bunch of doggos on a dog ranch caring for a bunch of animals uh unfortunately that is wrong she just wants to eat she wrote i'd be the fattest fatty ever and eat all the things that surround myself well you were half right with all the puppies in the land yeah mark can come too if he wants See, half credit. I'm doing yeah. well. No, I mean, I would definitely want to be like super fat, but surrounding myself with all the puppies in the land is very important. See, interestingly, no mention of Elisa in that answer. Oh well, she co-owns right. the. Yeah, she, she co-owns, co-owns the, the farm. puppy ranch. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> it's Laura and Elisa's puppy ranch. Come I am man. the puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Just be rubbing Elisa's belly. I just sit on Laura's <laughs> lap. <laughs> she pets my hair. <laughs> Licking Laura's face. Uh, next question. Who can handle their alcohol better? Laura, what do you think Mark said? He definitely said he can. Yep, that's right. And Mark, what do you think Laura said? Definitely me. All right. That's two two yeses. Two correct answers. Yep. Number seven, what celebrity do you most want to bang? Laura, what did Mark say to that question? Gal Gadot. That's right. <laughs> and Mark, what did Laura say? I would hope Gal Gadot. What do you two have with Gal Gadot? What's going on? I mean, have you, have you seen her? Do She's you two, like, so... talk about her? Sometimes. Sometimes, yes. I mean... <laughs> 
the thing is too, I, I, you didn't read the rest of my response. I, I would not be banging her. She would be banging me. I would, I, like, she's not gonna, like, seeing her, she would be in control. She'd be like, this is what's gonna happen. <laughs> That's true. And she I'm would like, be calling all the shots. And I'd be like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> when we, when we've had that discussion about, like, what celebrity, like, if we ran into a celebrity on our own, like, what would be our pass? Like, free, free pass, it would be Gal Gadot. Right. Right. Or I or I Elba. Yeah, him too, but she's above. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, we got three more questions here. This is a this is a couple's question. What song is your two's song? Like what's your couple's song? What song makes you think of us? Laura, what did Mark <laughs> say to that question? I'm gonna guess thriller. Because we have listened to it in the car a lot, and he really enjoys mimicking Vincent Price's demonic laugh, that song. What did you say, Mark? For her, for her song? No, what did, what did you answer? Oh, like, what, what, is, I, what is the yeah. song? Oh, I put She's My Caller by Gorillaz. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Hmm sensing issues in this relationship <laughs> yeah this, this is it this we is couldn't it. answer this question correctly so it's done it's been a fun run it's not working out babe <laughs> what do you what do you think she answered um uh i'd have to say this is hard uh listen to a lot of songs if if she was fucking with me i'd probably say fresh and clean <laughs> by outcast because i hate that when she sings that. I never knew that song until you two told me about it. Because Laura had mentioned like how you get out of the shower or something and then one of you starts singing <laughs> yep. it. I see yeah. the... No, I start singing it and I see the rage building on his face right now. <laughs> uh, she answered... What do you answer, Laura? Um, so I said Thriller. Uh. Because we do listen to it in the we car do. a lot. Um, but then I also mentioned another of our favorite songs. And Andrew, I think you have a clip of it that you can play. <laughs> this is amazing. I love that song so much. And what the hell is that? <laughs> oh, that's uh, Vladimir Putin in his early years. Oh, I see. <laughs> it's like this, like this Russian-like... Um, I guess I don't know what kind of music that is, but whatever kind of music that is, and he like scats and makes that kind of sound in like all of his songs, and he it's like a tra- it's like trance music kind of like mm-hmm. when you see people in his concerts, people are just like losing their shit, and seeing somebody on stage making blah, 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 that is hilarious. I've laughed at we, that. Song. Yeah, we've watched that video and laughed at it a lot. <laughs> Next question, who is the better kisser? Ooh. Laura? I'll I'll step in. It's me. It's fine. <laughs> They're both my side. Uh I would hope that he said me, like as in me, Laura. Okay. And Mark, what do you think Laura said? Mm, I think she said me. As in me, Mark. All right. Well, unfortunately, wow. you're both wrong. You both think 
you yourselves are the better kisser. Yeah. That's interesting. Hmm. I know I am. It's I mean, not it's not that I think. I mean, have you seen these lips? Come on. I mean, they are nice, but you know, it's about the motion of the ocean, okay? Mm-hmm. Want you to put it to the test right now. Uh, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> we can put that behind a pay- we can put that behind a paywall. Sure, yeah. Video of you two making out. I'd watch yeah, that. Yeah, fifty dollar level. Only fifty G's, babe. God. <laughs> Do you two ever like stick your tongue down each other's mouths? And Elisa, that's I a wouldn't... question for you too. <laughs> I wouldn't say like stick it. I'm not. I'm not a gecko. <laughs> you know, like a little bit of tongue play is good, but you shouldn't be shoving your tongue down anyone's throat. Yeah. Sometimes me and my boyfriend will just open our mouths really wide and then we'll just like kind of shove our tongues into the other's mouths. And we're not I even doing anything. Somewhere else. The, the tongues are just like dancing in each other's mouths. It's it's not even <laughs> fun or sexy. It's just like go on. <laughs> yes. Just, just like, All right, final question. Which physical part of you is your partner? most attracted to mark thinks is the most attractive part or so what what laura <laughs> thinks mark thinks is the most attractive yes. part of laura's body yes okay okay i understand now um she probably put eyes hmm okay laura is that right it is that's correct and you also added here, he wrote a poem about them. Mark, you wrote a poem about Laura's eyes. I did. I did that. Where is that? When, when can um, I read that? Um, we can work something out. Okay. If you know what I mean. <laughs> was it face. like a jokey thing or was it like serious? Like no, no. Soon? It was not a jokey thing. Wasn't it for your Aww. birthday? I think I'd had a, no, it wasn't my birthday. I'd had a really bad week. Mm, okay. And yeah. then you did that. Did you make Laura cry? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Laura, what did Mark answer? I mean, I tell him all the time that I love his um, dimples and his smile. So. Well, that is correct. Smile is the answer. Though he did write that he glanced down his, at his crotch before answering. I mean, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. It would be weird if I didn't like that, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's an important factor in a relationship. <laughs> that's something Elisa has never been able to do for you. Give something fun down in her crotch. That's what you think. That's why I was cut out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's how we play the newlywed game. Thank you, everybody, for playing. It's been a wonderful time. I'm your host, Andrew. Good night and good luck. Wait, 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 who won? Oh, uh, I don't know. Relationships well, aren't about relationships aren't about winning, babe. Oh, that's boring. You win <laughs> every day. <laughs> we did good. Well, that about does it for this week's episode of Millennial. Mark, thanks for joining us. We hope you had a good time on today's show and may hey maybe come back sometime soon yeah i don't see maybe you can come by the, the claremont we could uh, see some beer cans get crushed oh i'll spend some time with you in the claremont no problem oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah next time next time 
Have you two been to Sister Louise's? I have not. No. It's like a church-themed bar, but it's like hmm. making fun of religion. I've oh, been, that's I, pretty good. I've been to churches. There's a or not churches. There's just a bar named Church. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And everything has. It looks like a cathedral, but there's like a ping pong table and like a bar. It's pretty cool. Oh uh, no! The, well, this one had a ping pong table too, but it wasn't called church. Where in Atlanta were you? Were you in Old Fourth Ward? I have no clue where I was. It's just where the Uber took me. It's called uh, like <laughs> Sister Louise's blah blah blah. There's church in the name of it. Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe people just call it church. Yeah, I think maybe oh, that is it. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So we'll have you on again sometime soon. Listeners, do check out our website at millennialshow.com, and we'd love your support over at Patreon. You will get installments of After Dark, Hashing It Out, in which we're planning each episode right before we're recording. It tends to be a fun time. You also get ad-free editions of the show and a lot more. So check out patreon.com slash millennial. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm Mark. Bye. Gonna get married. Going to the chapel. Why? Oh, this is for you and Elisa.